Welcome to Intersect, where church meets culture. My name is Josh Desch. I'm the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined, as always, by my wife, the colorful Betsy. Hmm. Betsy, good afternoon. Hello. How are you today? I'm I'm great. You are still colorful, even on cold, rainy days. Thank you. And I'm glad that we don't live where a lot of the country, where they're just basically under like feet of snow right now. Yes, I I do too. Yes. I mean, well, there's a lot of rain in Columbia, but no snow. I don't know when this podcast will be released exactly, but we will all remember the storm. Certainly the people that, that live uh, in most of the, the other continental United States, the storm that's blowing through the country right now. Mm-hmm. It is a bad one. Well, folks, we have a heavy but necessary topic today. Here's the title of today's podcast, Understanding the Gender and Trans Debate. All right, Bets, this is a big topic in our culture. Yes. This is a really big one. All of us for years, I don't know if you remember roughly the first time you heard the acronym LGBTQ, and then at some Mm -hmm. point they added plus. Mm -hmm. And we all know lesbian, we all know gay, we all know bisexual, and then there's the T. And maybe because it's into the, uh, you know, a little bit further into the acronym, but I'm not sure how aware I was of trans issues mm-hmm. until the last few years. Would you say that you, that those have been on the forefront? I mean, have, have you been aware of them really? Um, or ha- do you feel like the focus has been much more on, on gay rights? Yeah, I guess that's an, it's an issue that's grown in prominence over time. Yeah, I know for you, you've done lots of reading over the last several years about gender and sexuality. So this has yeah. been an, an area of interest for you. Yes, it is. But but I would say that I remember, I think it was 2015 when gay marriage was legalized. At that point, I would have had really no knowledge at all about any gender issues. It would have totally been about um, you know gay, lesbian uh, questions and marriage mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So folks, here's what we want to do today. This is a very heavy topic, and it's. But like I said, it's a very important topic for Christians, for anyone. I would say you should just know about this issue. So here's the first thing I want to do. I want to say that whenever I engage, not just as a pastor but as a Christian, whenever I engage in a heavy topic, I always try to understand my topic well, and then I always try to be very respectful of those who I'm talking about. Yes, that is so critical. So critical, Mm -hmm. including using language that I think those who I disagree with me would want me to use. Mm -hmm. So Betsy, so for example, on the podcast today, I'm not gonna use the word transgenderism, okay? Because if you get into trans circles, if you talk to people who are trans, they would say, we don't like that term, transgenderism. What's an ism? I mean, mm. what, what does that even mean? Mm. The issue of transgenderism, you know, that's just that's just one of those things that if you walk into a space as a Christian and you say, I'm opposed to transgenderism, you've automatically probably forfeited a good bit of your goodwill in that audience. Mm. So we as believers, now part of this is we have to educate ourselves that's right. on these issues. But it's important to me that we use the language that's respectful to our audience, even when we disagree with our audience, mm-hmm. right? So that's just to set a little bit of the framework here for how we're going to get into this topic. But we're going to move pretty quickly. And folks, this is just going to be like 30,000 feet flyover of an enormous issue in our culture. In many ways, this might be the inflection point of our culture, New president, President Biden, 
on his first day in office, issued an executive order related to transgender issues. I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew that. I did. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is right there. I mean, this was something that for him was so important. First day in office, he's issuing a controversial decision on trans issues. So, Betts, here's what um, we're going to get into today. What is this debate about? What is gender dysphoria? What does the Bible say about gender issues? Just very briefly. What does science say about gender issues, specifically gender dysphoria? And what does this potentially mean for the future? Hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's just move through these. Again, these are five huge areas, but we're going to try to move through them. And my goal today is to educate our audience on really what's going on and how a Christian can begin to think about these issues. Yeah, I really also like beginning the conversation from the perspective of um, really thinking how Christians can engage in a way that honors the Lord and loves people because so often Christians are painted as people who are just culture warriors and even hateful or bigoted or whatever. So we really want to be careful how we come at the conversation and um, just your your posture as you have it. That's so critical. Exactly. So we, we want to be people that Jesus called us to love others. Mm-hmm. Now, That's right. of course, it would be an abuse uh, of the word love to say that love means you always affirm and you always agree. If, if our mm-hmm. kids come to us and say, mom and dad, I really want to become a drug addict. Uh, we're not loving them well by saying, great, that's what you want to do. We support no matter what you want to do. Mom and dad, I think it's wise to drop out of school. Is it the loving thing for me to say, absolutely, because love means I always say yes. I always affirm what you're, no. Mm-hmm. But, but um, and obviously folks, these are just, you know, sort of cliche examples. But but we want to be loving, but we, but we also want to be respectful mm-hmm. of the issue. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's just jump right into this debate. I think I could summarize this debate most clearly by saying this. The question is, is there a difference between your biological sex and your gender identity? Hmm. Okay. Now, again, 30 years ago, this would not have even have been a question. Um, Your biological sex is the sex that you are born at birth with. Um, Obviously, we, we can test these things. We know what a person's Biological sex is, I think it's now 20 weeks in the womb. Doctors can test for that kind of thing. Remember, we did not find out for <laughs> kids number one and two, and then we found out later. Yeah, well, I think wh- it's even earlier than that now. Oh, yeah. There's all knows. kinds of tests. And, and yeah. isn't the gender reveal thing still like a huge I think it thing is. right now? Yeah. I think it is. And yeah. I think it kind of got, it started to get out of control, I think, with some of the stuff I was reading. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> trying to one up each other on gender reveal. But, um, but again, actually, even that phrase, gender reveal, mm-hmm. it gets to the debate. Is your biological sex and your gender identity two different things? The main current of our culture today is saying yes. In fact, a popular term now is sex assigned at birth, meaning that if, okay, I say I'm male, someone says, well, that's just the sex that was assigned to you at birth. Mm. But your gender identity is something that's totally separate from that. Hmm. Your gender identity is the gender that you conceive yourself to have. Yeah, I think it might be helpful to identify or to um, define terms such as cisgender and this kind of thing because these are terms that are, um, you know, maybe they're used to identify people on social media, but not everyone knows what they mean. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So, um, 
So if you say you're cisgender, that's C I S. C I S. Yep. So so uh, and I'm not trying to be derogatory here, but that would be what we've always understood a person to say, like, you're born male, you view yourself as male, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm born a man, I'm a man. What else would I be? I'm a man, okay? Transgender means uh, your your mental conception of your gender does not match your biological sex, Mm -hmm. right? That's the two, that's the differences, okay? So if you read cisgender, that means that if you're born biological female, you identify as female. If you're trans, uh, and I'm sure there's all kinds of shades of gray in this. Okay, so, um, and by the way, folks, I don't pretend to be a medical doctor or a scientist or anything like that. I, I'm, I'm simply trying to be a well-read layman and a pastor of the flock on these issues. But to be trans would mean that you identify with the opposite gender of your biological sex. Mm-hmm. Or no gender. Or no, yeah, non, well, non-binary, yeah, mm-hmm. that's or, or some other uh, gender identity, which mm-hmm. may be uh, beyond male or female. Mm-hmm. Now, let me share with you some interesting information on gender dysphoria, because gender dysphoria is the current medical diagnosis for someone who has an incongruence between their biological sex and their gender identity. You know the DSM, Betsy, mm-hmm. which is the big di- diagnostic of something manual. You were the pre-med bio major. You should, <laughs> you should know that. That was a uh, long time ago. Well, they're on the DSM-5 now. Um, but in 1980, the DSM-3, uh, the the term transsexualism first appeared. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of evolution of how this worked. In 1990, uh, oh, the, 1990, the World Health Organization included that same diagnosis, transsexualism. And then the DSM-4 in 1994, so that came out 14 years later, the word transsexualism was replaced with gender identity disorder. Okay, so it went from transsexualism to gender identity disorder. And then in the latest DSM, uh, which was 2013, there we go, DSM-5. In DSM-5, so this was just eight years ago, gender identity disorder was eliminated and replaced with gender dysphoria. Okay, now people might say like, okay, what does that matter? But the words you use matter, mm-hmm. okay? And so part of the the movement here, if you talk about people that are critical of the overall movement of the trans movement, they would say that the, the term gender identity disorder talked about it obviously as a disorder, mm-hmm. as something that is, that is wrong. But dysphoria has more to do with an internal angst, a discomfort, uh, and if you look in the DSM-5, there's these different criteria that a clinician would use to diagnose a person with gender dysphoria. Hmm. But um, the point is, this is a moving thing. This is a moving target. And um, this is a huge issue because, um, so here's the deal. There's basically two primary uh, medical interventions that occur with gender dysphoria. One is puberty blockers. And the other one is uh, cross-sex hormones. So uh, a puberty blocker would be if a, uh, let's say a a 15-year-old boy comes and uh, says, I identify as female, and um, says that to his parents or whatever, or goes and and seeks medical intervention. And and maybe as that, actually, you'd probably want to go back earlier, puberty's already begun at 15. But let's say that as that, that, boy starts to experience puberty, he says, I don't like this. I don't identify as a man. Mm-hmm. A puberty blocker, what it does is it literally delays 
the onset of puberty. Hmm. Okay, it does exactly what that word sounds like. Um, puberty blockers would be the first step in a person transitioning from one gender to the other hmm. or from one sex to the other. The other step is cross-sex hormones. Mm-hmm. And that's when a man takes estrogen and a woman takes testosterone. So um, first there is, so just to give everybody a sense of, of how the process works, first there would be a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Then the current medical belief is that in order to relieve that dysphoria, what, it, what often it occurs is a medical intervention which begins with these different medications. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're tracking so far? Mm-hmm. Now, a huge critique of what's happening in medicine right now is that, is that these uh, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones are being pushed on children at younger and younger ages. Mm. And in fact, this is a battle that's happening in states all across America right now where there's the question of what is the, what is the proper legal age that a kid should be allowed to say... I want I want puberty blockers. I want cross-sex hormones. If you if you look into the research, the these aren't, you know, every medicine comes with a cost, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure even you take Tylenol or whatever, like you're putting that in your body, it's helping you, but there's also some kind of cost there. Right. Well, there's a cost to puberty blockers. There's a cost to cross-sex hormones. And um if you listen to different medical experts, they'll tell you that these things are the sort of at the rate they're given out um, doesn't seem to match the potential of, you know, what a person is doing to their body. Mm-hmm. So does that make sense so yeah. far? Mm-hmm. They're grave consequences for They're grave kind consequences. Of, yes. Now, now the argument that is often, this is again, this is my reading here. I have not experienced this firsthand with someone who uh, identifies as trans, but the argument that's often presented in the medical community is, if we don't give this adolescent uh, these drugs, that they potentially will commit suicide. Mm-hmm. The outcomes are worse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, yes, it's true that the puberty blockers and the cross-sex hormones might have might do lasting damage to your body, but isn't suicide worse? Mm-hmm. So, so that is how it's often presented in the medical literature. The point is, the point in all of this is the prevalence of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones being given out, being prescribed to children, to teenagers, has absolutely skyrocketed. Hmm. And uh, as far as my understanding of reading the literature is that gender dysphoria is also something that's really, really going up and that more and more, especially younger people, are identifying as they're saying, I'm, I, I want to be the other gender. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, trans is even that, even just that, that phrase trans is something that I know we see more and more in the culture, right? Well, you can think of a lot of, um, very public figures in recent years who have come out as trans. Um, of course there was Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner is a huge one. Um, there was also. Laverne Cox is an, is an actor. Okay. Um, that's a trans actor. Well, I'm, and tra- I'm also, trying to say the right thing. Um, but, Elliot um, Page. Elliot Page, yeah. Has just come yep. out recently. So there's a lot of, um, you know, this is very much in the headlines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, now this issue blew up um, a couple years ago, actually about 18 months ago, when a lady in the UK was fired from her job 
because she made comments similar to this. Now, I'm going to read some comments from her. These, these were not the comments that she, she was fired for, but they're very similar to the comments she was fired, fired for. So she said this. She said, my belief is that sex is a biological fact and is immutable. That means unchangeable. There are two sexes, male and female. Men and boys are male. Women and girls are female. It's impossible to change sex. These were until very recently understood uh, at basic facts of life by almost everyone. Now, she made those comments on social media, and she was then fired from her government job because she made those comments. It was mm-hmm. it was viewed as a hate speech. Mm-hmm. So guess, of all people, guess who defended this lady? <laughs> you know who it is. Uh-huh. J.K. Rowling, the, the author of- <laughs> The Harry, Harry Potter the lady. The Harry Potter lady. Of course. Tweeted- um, and she gave a tweet. Now, I will say this. Um, J.K. Rowling, theologically, would not align with us on hardly anything. Um, for, I, I think she would. we would call her very liberal in her theological views, far to the left of the PCA, far to the left of where we are. And yet here she is. She's going and she's saying that this is wrong, that firing this lady— uh, because she is saying that, that biological sex is real is wrong. Now, you know what has happened, Betts? J.K. Rowling has been, like, canceled. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has. she has just been thrown into the ditch. By all of the Harry, the all, stars the of whole, the movies. All, all the stars hate mm-hmm. her. Everybody hates her. They're trying to push her out of, basically, there's a big movement now to somehow separate her writings from her. Hmm. And it's And it's really been crazy. And like I said, um, J.K. Rowling is not a, uh, not a th- conservative person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a huge champion of gay rights mm-hmm. and and those sort of things. But what she was saying is, but so so here's what's really interesting. This is not just like a religious conservative versus liberal issue. This is actually a fight in feminism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so J.K. Rowling is representing one side of the feminist fight, and then there's the other side. And basically, what she's saying is, I don't think that a man should be able to say that he's a woman and then be allowed into any female space. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's kind of, um, in other words, J.K. Rowling would say there should be spaces that are only allowed for biologically fem- biological females, people who bo- born female at birth, and um, just because a person says they're, they're female or maybe they've even had some cross-sex hormones, doesn't mean that they should be allowed to identify as female. Yeah, or they a, should be allowed in every female space. There's an acronym for the, the feminist side. It's called TERFs, I think. Yes, Trans-exclusionary TERFs. radical feminists. Look at you. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> that is. That's it. So those people... So actually, so the, that's those are feminists who... It's just kind of a crazy understanding here, this crazy argument, but they're they're very opposed to the idea that anyone can just change their gender. Now, I did some research on this podcast, Betsy. If you live in the UK, here's what you have to do to change your gender, okay? You you uh, apply to a, a, a first of all, I, apparently you can you can get your cha- gender changed on your like driver's license. I, I think it's very simple. But but here's what you have to do to actually get your gender changed on your birth certificate. Um, what you have to do is you go to the government agency, and you say, um, "I want to, I want to change genders. I want to, I want to change my sex." And you have to provide proof to a panel that you have gender dysphoria 
that you've lived as the opposite gender for two years. And uh, basically, if you do that, they, and I think there's one other thing, you pay a small fee and you will be legally issued a birth certificate that says you are the opposite gender hmm. as well as a new name. Hmm. So um, now this is apart from any sur surgical procedures. Mm -hmm. You would just need to go and say, uh, I identify as the other gender and that's how it would change. Hmm. So um, I, I'm not totally familiar with all the laws in the United States on this. I don't think we're as far as the UK is at this point. Mm -hmm. But where it's really blowing up, of course, it, you know, we're Americans, right? What do we love here in America? What do we love? We love a lot of things. Individualism. Hot dogs. McDonald's. <laughs> we love sports. Don't we love sports, Betsy? Yes. You know where this issue is blowing up? and It's over sports. Mm -hmm. It's over sports because um, you have a lot of women and a lot of advocates of women's sports who are saying when you let someone who's born biological male uh, compete in women's athletics, there's a huge advantage. Right. Well, Biden just passed some kind of, and I don't have all the details here, but some sort of legislation that would that would make it where any, as, as I, I think is my understanding of it, that uh, no person could be excluded from, a biological male could not be excluded from women's sports. Mm -hmm. um, so a trans, a trans woman could not be excluded from competing in female sports. Mm. So this is big, folks. Mm -hmm. um, what does the Bible say about this? All right, and we'll, we're going to move quickly through these last couple ones here. Well, uh, Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him. I'm sorry, in the image of God, yeah, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Uh, the Bible recognizes that there are two biological sexes. There are two. Uh, expressions of gender. There's male and female. Mm -hmm. And you can search the scriptures and you will not find any notion that our biological sex can be pulled apart from our gender identity. Mm. In the scripture, you always see that um, our biological sex is just one part of maleness. Okay, so, I mean, we're all adults here. Men have certain private parts. Women have certain private par parts. Um, but but my biological sex is what makes me a man is more than just that. That's part of what makes me a man, but there's more than that. God created men a certain way in terms of their physical bodies. He also created them a certain way in terms of the just the normal uh, ways that men are. And there's uniqueness to women as mm -hmm. well, both in terms of their physical bodies and also in terms of their, their characteristics. And of course, you know, we we reject all the kind of stereotyping like, oh, all men like to drink beer. Mm -hmm. All men like to use a chainsaw. All, right. all women like to put on lipstick. And I mean, those are obviously like just cultural stuff. But none of that negates the fact that God created men and women and that they are distinct mm -hmm. and that they are not interchangeable. That's what the scripture says. Clearly, it's all over the Bible. And what is occurring in our culture today is really a very radical notion that that we can reject the physical bodies that God has given us. Mm -hmm. It's it's actually very sad because um, God's given us these bodies. He's created us. You know, the Bible says, Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And where we are in, in this cultural moment right now is that expressive individualism has reached a point where now I can even reject my body. Mm -hmm. I can say, I don't like my body. I want to 
I want to change my body. In fact, I can make my body whatever I want it to be. Yes, that's true. I can do whatever mm-hmm. I want to my body because ultimately what matters is what I think I am. Mm-hmm. And um, it is sad. Is it surprising? Well, our notion of sin is that sin affects all of creation. Mm-hmm. That's right. So what does the science say about this? Well, Betsy, I, I we are going to link our audience to another podcast, okay, by a guy named Preston Sprinkle. <laughs> I know that you enjoy that last name of his. Mm-hmm. Um, he should be a he should be a Presbyterian, but <laughs> I don't know if he is. Preston Spink- Sprinkle or a baker? Or yeah, that's right. Maybe he could be on uh, one of those baking shows we love. He is a PhD evangelical theologian who started his own ministry. He has been a professor. He has a he has a podcast called Theology in the Raw, and he is currently doing a series called The uh, Diversity of Trans. And in episode number six, which we're going to link to, he interviews an endocrinologist, okay? Mm. So endocrinologists are the medical doctors that would prescribe cross-sex hormones. Mm-hmm. He interviews a medical doctor. Uh-huh. And the medical doctor says, look, um, and I have no idea, by the way, if this guy's a Christian or not, I, I, he, but, but the guy says, the, the method that we used to take in the medical community with gender dysphoria was wait and see. In other words, a young person says, I'm, I feel like I'm a woman. A boy says that. I feel like I'm a woman. I don't like, well, the, the former approach would not be to rush that child to a medical intervention but would to say, we're going to get you counseling, we're going to keep watching, we're going to see if the dysphoria alleviates. Mm. And there's actually a medical term called spontaneous realignment, where it's often the case that a person experiencing gender dysphoria, at some point the dysphoria goes away, and they come to peace with their biological sex. Mm. But what this endocrinologist expressed so much fear about is the fact that the medical community is rushing people so fast toward medical interventions. Mm. Puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and then, of course, uh, potentially uh, surgical interventions. Mm-hmm. And surgical interventions are not reversible. If a woman has a hysterectomy, she will not have children. Mm-hmm. And so these are, these are serious medical uh, interventions that are done, and they're often done on people that are at a young age. I mean, Betts, I mean, are would you want to make a life-altering decision when you were 17? <laughs> I, you know, I might have thought at 17 that I knew what I wanted, but oh, I yeah. think we can all look back and be like, oh, goodness, I'm, I'm glad I was shielded from a lot of decisions that I thought were a good idea in my younger years. I thought I knew everything when I was 17. Oh, I my mean, gosh. I'll how- tell you, I was the best parent before we had kids. <laughs> You always I mean, are. Oh yeah. You know, I'm gonna I know everything I'll do in every situation. Yeah, right? exactly. So that um, you know, often we 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 think that we've got things totally figured out and time shows us yeah. that we and don't. Even when you're a legal adult, even when you're twenty one, do you do you really at twenty one want to make decisions about that will impact the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Um so if what the sign now let me let me go to this according to this one podcast this one doctor again i don't have the citation for this but a but a very high percentage of young people with gender dysphoria experience spontaneous realignment within a reasonable period of time hmm. now that doesn't mean that every single person has gender dysphoria it goes away but one of the arguments this this guy is making is for a lot of people this does resolve itself and 
I and he's basically saying as an endocrinologist, I'm really worried about where my medical community is right now. Mm. So that so the, the, what the science says about this is first of all, I'd say this to our audience: gender dysphoria is a real thing. Mm-hmm. We should have we should have lots of compassion That's for that. Right. That's right. Lots of compassion. Yep. People if, are confused and they're hurting. Of course. Mm-hmm. And if a Christian, if you were to say to someone, you know, you're lying about this dysphoria or or making fun of a person, that is just abominable. You know, mm-hmm. this is is a very painful uh, condition that people have. Now, that doesn't mean that we agree that transitioning is the right uh, approach. I don't agree with that. I believe that the, God wants that person to come to peace with their biological sex. But we as Christians sure, certainly should um, lead with love and lead mm-hmm. with compassion. Mm-hmm. And even as we um, speak truth, you know, not in any way demean uh, the experience of someone who says that they are experiencing gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing to say about that. What does this mean? Let me just move on to our last question here, Betsy. What does this mean for the future? I mean, the answer is I don't know, of course, but I do think that we are quite possibly headed to a place in the United States where your gender will be, you will be able to change that very easily. Mm-hmm. That um, perhaps even just log on to the, on the web and go to a government website and identify as the opposite gender or the opposite sex. Uh, sometimes I get confused even what the two th- terms even mean. But I do know that this seems to be a tidal wave in our culture, a tidal wave of moving toward acceptance of every kind of trans issue, okay? And as believers, we need to uh, stand our ground on the fact that God has created us male and female and that the right approach to those who are suffering uh, for whatever reason and for and, and uh, with this issue is not what the current culture is communicating uh, about uh, this issue, which is follow your heart, do whatever you want. And I will just I just want to end with this. We're about to wrap up the podcast here. J.K. Rowling has said that she has received a lot of communication from people who went through a medical transition and now regret it, mm. and. That's the kind of people that are being silenced today. Those are the kind of people who are being canceled because they don't fit the narrative. Mm. Because the narrative is, if you want to transition, you should transition, and you know that's going to solve all your problems, and, and people should be allowed to do anything they want. And of course, we always say this on this podcast, only Jesus is going to solve all our problems, mm-hmm. not finding the gender that we long to be, even if we have that longing in our heart for whatever reason, to be the opposite gender or, or to be something else than what God has made us to be, mm. that only Jesus Christ can satisfy that longing of our heart. Mm. So um, that is an overview, folks, of uh, the gender and trans debate. It is a heavy topic, but one that we felt like our audience should be aware of. Bets, why don't you go ahead and tell our audience where they can find us. Folks, if you could give us a rating, that would help a lot. I always get encouraged as I see our ratings go up, hopefully a good rating. <laughs> um, we, we really tried to work hard on this pod, podcast to um, equip our audience with a biblical worldview. So Bets, how can folks find us? Um, guys, you can join our Facebook group. It is Intersect Podcast on Facebook. 
And also, um, we, as Josh said, we're going to um, link some of these notes on our website. It's www.anyprez.com slash podcasts. So please go there. We'll have some links to you and also uh, links for you and also the link to the podcast, the other one that Josh mentioned. And yeah, if you want to leave us a rating, um, that's what the stars in the iTunes or in the um, podcast app, if you're an Apple user, um, you can leave us however many stars you, you would like to, and then leave us a rating if you want to. That would be great. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next time.